Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. I am joined with Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. All right. Thank you, ladies, for joining as we delve into A Storm of Swords, Jamie 8. Um, mm-hmm. Just our standard spoiler warnings as we go ahead. And I kind of complained that with the last episode that I never get into the bath, you know, chapters or episodes. <laughs> uh, I always seem to get stuck with sep sex. And basically this uh, chapter is a Cribs episode. <laughs> Cribs yeah. King's Landing edition. <laughs> this is, this is, I don't think this is anyone's favorite Jamie chapter. <laughs> if it is, I would be really interested in hearing from you. <laughs> Hey, lot. Before before we start, I I meant to say it in the last episode, but um, we we've been meaning to let people know we are actually recording two episodes at a time these days. Um, so if you send in mail and it takes us a while to get to your mail, if you're like, oh, I sent them an email two weeks ago, why haven't they read it? It's because we're recording only twice a month and we're recording we're two episodes at a time. And sometimes we're breaking up the mail over both episodes. So don't worry, we will probably get to you eventually, unless you're email really is lost which has happened so anyway just wanted to let everyone know yeah patient. we'll get to it i'm sorry i interrupted you and a lot of times too if we find that the message would be better applied to the next episode we hold on to it so yeah. we fit it where it best goes yeah. okay um so we have jamie he's getting settled into his new digs as lord commander of the king's guard uh he'll have a floor floor to himself now overlooking the sea so that's nice um view right (laughs) well i would be too it sounds fantastic (laughs) so um he examines the sword tower and its furnishings and everything's white 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 um he thinks of all the men before him who sat in the chair of lord commander and you know it's barristan prince aemon sir arthur dane and it's just like he's just kind of feeling like great now i'm sitting here this is so weird (laughs) Um, the massive white book is out, um, and the pages are described as having a shield drawn on the left for each of the houses that the men belonged to when they were sworn in, and then a drawing in the bottom uh, right, which is a white shield, you know. Uh, Jamie thinks he's behind in keeping up with the entries and he'll need to clean, uh, he'll need to learn to write with his left hand. He's amused that Barristan wrote about his own dismal, uh, dismissal before leaving the castle. (laughs) Did his duty right to the very end, old Barristan. So Jamie's own entries seem pretty paltry when he compares them to Barristan's, and Jamie thinks that Barristan could have, you know, at least mentioned a few more of his tournament wins. 
you know, or his it kind of lets you know what Barristan really thinks of Jimmy that he just put in the bare bones that was absolutely required. Right. <laughs> you could just picture him kind of like just thin lipped and kind of grimacing as he's writing, whatever. <laughs> That's enough of that. <laughs> um, Jamie also thinks, you know, maybe his contributions in breaking up the Kingswood Brotherhood would have been nice. And he recalls the fight between Sir Arthur Dane and the smiling knight and thinks of how men and swords were finer then. Or maybe it was because he was all of 15. Probably I mean, that. We all agree it's because he was only 15. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Nostalgia. Uh, Sir Osmond Kettleblack is the first to arrive, followed by the rest, uh, save for Eris Oakhart, uh, who is in Dorne. And then he looks at them and wonders, you know, what would Sir Arthur Dane say? You know, how is it that the King's Guard has fallen so low? Well, I love how he's like, it's my fault, which I, I don't know if he just means because of killing Eris or what, but it's like, it really isn't his fault. It's not like he kicked, picked anybody who's in yeah. the Guard. <laughs> yeah, he has no sense. He wasn't even in charge until five minutes ago. Right, he wasn't even home when all this shit happened. <laughs> so, okay, so do, most of it. Do we have like a sense of like, do Lord Commanders have any like significant input, or is it literally just the king or whoever? Or I think it's the king, but you have to think that a good king would, would listen let, to the yeah. the Lord Commander. Yeah, because they could tell, like, hey, this guy isn't cut out for this, or. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, it's clearly like, you know, they have to work together in such yeah. close quarters. Clearly, you would, I mean, it's just like if you were like on a hiring committee, yeah, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> want to make sure you pick somebody that you thought wouldn't be bad to have, you know, in the break room. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now I picture the kettle blacks in the, in the break room, like an office scenario. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Coffee grounds all over the counter. <laughs> Let's see. So once uh, Jamie has assurances that Toman is being guarded well, uh, they uh, resume their meeting and uh, they begin their meeting and he starts questioning them about the purple wedding and he asks point blank if Tyrion did it. Uh, Trant seems to think so. Swan points out that Tyrion was not the only man on, not the only one on the dais. And he says no one was watching the King's Cup. They were all too distracted with that bird pie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jamie asks, who else? Uh, who else was up there? And we have the King's family, the Queen's family, Grand Maesters, Pycelle, and the High Septon. Laura says Sansa Stark poisoned him. She wanted Marjorie to die, too, because, you know, she was drinking from her cup, the same cup as well. And then she ran. So Jamie thinks Loris is making sense. And uh, he also wonders who could have been helping her. Uh, see, Jameis tells Boris Blunt that he will, um, he looks like he's a man who enjoys his food. Henceforth, he'll taste everything Toman eats or drinks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's kind of great to watch Jamie just run like mental circles around these people. <laughs> yeah. So I like, I have like a bit of the dialogue because it's just too delicious not to read aloud. Uh, Sir Osmond Kettleblack laughed aloud, and the Knight of Flowers smiled, but Sir Boris turned a deep beet red. I am no food taster. I am a knight of the King's Guard. Sad to say you are. Cersei should have stripped this man of his white cloak, but their father had only compounded the shame by restoring it. 
My sister has told me how readily you yielded my nephew to Tyrion's swords. You will find carrots and peas less threatening, I hope. When your sworn brothers are training in the yard with sword and shield, you may train with spoon and trencher. Tommen loves apple cakes. Try not to let any swords make off with them. <laughs> He's so salty. I love it. <laughs> oh. He says, you speak to me thus? You? You should have died before you let Tommen be taken. As you died protecting Ares, sir, Sir oh. Boris lurched to his feet and clasped the hilt of his sword. I won't, I won't suffer this. You should be the food taster, it seems to me. What else is a cripple good for? Jamie smiled. I agree. I am as unfit to guard the king as you are, so draw that sword you're fondling, and we shall see how your two hands fare against my one. At the end, one of us will be dead, and the king's guard will be improved, he rose. <laughs> or, if you prefer, you may return to your duties. Bah! Sir Boris hawked up a glob of green Ugh. phlegm, spat it at Jamie's oh. feet, and walked out, his sword still in his sheath. So, oh, Jamie's got swagger, man. <laughs> it's kind of really perfect example of what you were saying just like the bluff factor like yeah yeah well i love how he's thinking how like boris blunt could you know totally destroy him if he actually pulled his sword out <laughs> but yeah he just bluffs his way through it mm-hmm. uh so you know yeah like uh he turns his attention then to Osmond Kettleblack and basically says uh so who the fuck are you anyway <laughs> that's pretty much how that dialogue goes down so he's like you know well i've seen men i haven't heard of you you know in any tournaments or anything um he surmises that he's a cell sword and possibly he has a made up knighthood he wonders what his sister was thinking giving him a white cloak he dismisses kettleblack then asks Marin Trant where in the white book does it say in our vows we um, are to beat women and children? And, you know, he reminds him that the king is eight and the first duty is to protect him. If Toman tells you to saddle his horse, obey him. If he tells you to kill his horse, come to me. <laughs> it's just so simple. It's so simple. Like, how is this hard? Like, it makes so much sense. Hard, like, but, like... But look at look at what even the, the Lord Commanders were doing when when Eris was in power that know, Jamie had to put up with. Nuts. Oh my god! Like what the hell? Uh, so I Jamie, mean, like, oh, go ahead. No, it's just it's like amazing that it's like it takes Jamie to be like, yeah, don't just mindlessly obey the king when they're being an absolute idiot, you know? Like, ah. Uh. <laughs> So uh, Jamie dismisses Trant and then turns his attention to Balon Swan. And I have to read this again because, once again, it just illustrates Jamie's mastery of people and getting to the point of matter. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jamie turned to Sir Balon Swan. Sir Balon, I've watched you tilt many a time and fought with and against you in melees. I am told you proved your valor a hundred times over during the Battle of the Blackwater. The King's Guard is honored by your presence. The honor's mine, my lord. Sir Balin sounded wary. There is only one question I would put to you. You served us loyally, it's true, but Varys tells me that your brother rode with Renly, and then Stannis, whilst your lord father, chose not to call his banner at all and remain behind the walls of Stonehelm all through the fighting. My father is an old man, my lord, well past 40. His fighting days are done. And your brother? Donald was wounded in the battle and yielded to Sir Elwood Hart. He was ransomed afterwards 
and pledged his fealty to King Joffrey, as did many other captives. So he did, said Jamie. Even so. Renly, Stannis, Joffrey, Toman. How did he come to admit Balon Greyjoy and Rob Stark? He might have been the first knight of the realm to swear fealty to all six kings. Sir Balon's <laughs> unease was plain. Donal erred, and he is Toman's man now. You have my word. It's not Sir Donald the Constant who concerns me. It's you, Jamie leaned forward. What will you do if brave Sir Donald gives you his sword to yet another usurper and one day comes storming into the throne room and there you stand all in white between your king and your blood? What will you do? I, my lord, that will never happen. It happened to me, Jamie said. Swan wiped his brow with the sleeve of his white tunic. You have no answer? My lord, Sir Balon drew himself up on my sword, on my honor, on my father's name, I swear it. I shall not do as you did. <laughs> Jamie <laughs> laughed. Good, return to your duties and tell Sir Donald to add a weather vane to his shield. <laughs> How can anyone not love Jamie Lannister? <laughs> Oh, so good. So enjoyable to read that. <laughs> I mean, he's totally ready to make fun of himself at like the drop of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like ah, the mastery of that, you know, like to just line up these guys one by one and peg them for, you know. <laughs> yeah, like just coming in and he can size them up. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So, let's see. Uh, Jamie is then left with Loris, who smiles at him with a cocky little grin. Um, he notes that Loris is 17. And, well, he knows, like, well, I was 15, and I was bigger than you, stronger and quicker. And then Loris points out, yeah, now you're older, my lord. <laughs> Jamie laughs at the absurdity of him comparing cocks with a green boy. His words, not mine. Uh, older and wiser, Jamie points out. Uh, you could learn from me. And then Loris adds, as you learned from Sir Boris and Marin. And <laughs> Jamie kind of like snaps at this. And, uh, and then he starts listing all the great men that he has served under. And Loris points out, yeah, they're all dead. Everyone. The arrogance, Jamie realizes, is so much like his own. This is what it does to you to be too good, too young. Uh, see, Jamie asks Loris, who is wearing Renly's armor. He reluctantly admits that it was his brother Garland and that it was Littlefinger's idea. Uh, he t just going to point out there's some more uh, allegiances there between those Tyrells and Littlefinger. And <laughs> anyway, he tells Jamie he buried Renly. Uh, at Storm's, rend, uh, Storm's End with his own hands, uh, someplace where no one will disturb his rest. He promises to protect King Toman, but he will never betray Renly in word or deed. And Jamie thinks Loris has answered truly. He's full of piss, but he is not false. Mm. This, this is kind of like a nice little quiet moment that we get with Loris and... Um, at least an acknowledgement of how much he truly did care for Renly. Yeah. I love how people have to spend like just a tiny bit of time with Loras and they understand how much he really did love Renly. Like that it was a very real and very just, you know, true and pure love that he had for him. Yeah. yeah. And we had a um, subreddit. I didn't, 
I was going to save some of these like for our end mail, but I think Guile wrote in, which actually really pertains to this part. She said, I'd love to hear about what you guys think about Jamie's relationship with Loris. Um, I think Jamie sees himself in Loris' arrogance, but maybe doesn't know Loris well enough um, to know that he also has Jamie's romanticism and loyalty, too. Speaking of bashing the show, wow, Loris, who is so full of love for Renly and his family, is such a knight and an action hero is basically re- reduced to the gay guy. I still hate D&D so much. You know, and that right there, I mean, I mean, we don't get any sense of this. I mean, he dug his grave with his own hands. I mean, this is like some intense stuff i mean this is or like what he says to Tyrion about how you know like when when the sun has set no candle can replace i mean talk about some romantic shit i mean like that's probably the most beautiful line of the series in my opinion it is up there yeah and uh, well i mean this is you know yet again the show is just such garbage compared to what george lays down in the books but yes i mean the show wanted to make Loris into um, a stereotype. He's pretty one-dimensional. Whereas that's not what George was doing with Loris. Um, and, you know, Loris's fidelity to Renly is pretty pretty evidently yeah. still continuing. And the show just completely erased that. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Which was um, a real disservice to his character, in my opinion. I mean... Um, especially since they only did it so that they could turn Loris into, yes, I mean, kind of as Guile says, just what they think a, a, a gay man um, yeah. is, a stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was not cool because Loris is, Loris has his issues. Loris can be a major dick, but at the same time, Loris is this like deeply romantic figure in the books. And yeah, um, and you don't get that he's like a bad person. You know, you don't get like he's flawed, but he's not like a bad person. You know, well, and he young. is a young, young Jamie. Yeah. This is yeah. the thing. Jamie's right. He, Loris is that. so much like him. You know, yeah. there's a they have a lot in common. And um, you know, so of course, if you're a Jamie fan, you're probably going to end up being a Loris fan. I mean, look at the fact that that Loris's family did not bring him in on like the the plot to kill to kill Joffrey. They couldn't because I don't think uh, Loris yeah. would have been okay with it. Yeah, I mean that it just is not really in Loris's DNA. I don't think. And you know, whatever actually happens when Loris takes Dragonstone, that is some straight up just heroic shit. He basically yeah. goes and sacrifices his life to try to save his family. And, um, you know, I don't know. I love Loris. Sorry, I could go on about Loris yeah. for about a year. <laughs> <It's> perfectly okay. <laughs> um, we then get Jamie asking about Brienne, and Loris says that she deserves death. She had no place in rain- in the Rainbow Guard, and she won her melee with a trick. And then Jamie points out of a knight he once knew who rode a mare who was in heat against a, a pretty bad-tempered stallion, which makes Loris blush. <laughs> And uh, Loris concedes that, yeah, maybe Brienne did win, um, but she still let Renly die. And Jamie uh, points out, well, so did the others. And um, he says, so as did you with the other king's guard at Joffrey's wedding. He asked Loris to show him how he would fight a shadow. Loris questions why she would run, and then he starts to doubt, remembering Renly's... uh, uh, Gorget, is it Gorget? Is that how you say that word? Gorget. Gorget, I think. Gorget. Gorget. Yeah, Gorget. maybe. Gorget. <laughs> Gorget. Gorget. 
His gorget. Another charget. Gorget. So now I want to know. Somebody tell us afterwards. Look it up on YouTube. Anyway, that thing that's around the neck was cut clean through, which is impossible to do. And he then thinks, why would she armor him only to cut his throat? Jamie tells Loris to ask her, judge her fairly on your honor as a knight. Loris replies, I shall on my honor. I love this that Jamie knows you can't spend any time in in like sincere conversation with Brienne without understanding that she's just like honor personified True. and that she wouldn't fucking lie. He's counting on like who she is as a person to solve this problem for her. And really like both I mean, of them, he's counting on both of them to be, you know, because he, yeah. I mean, he's, that's a risk. Like he could just go bad shit and kill her. You know what I mean? If he, he has to trust that Loris would actually not, you know, that would do the right thing and not kill her if he really thought she didn't do it. So yeah. 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 Pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, Oh God. Reading people, right? <laughs> He's yeah. Got them pinned. He really does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, and I, I mean, I just attribute a lot of this to him just like, <laughs> which this is a true thing with Brienne. You just can't spend much time with Brienne without, you know, kind falling of falling for her a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And he's counting on it. Hmm. So before Loris leaves, he stops at the door and then he recalls a scene of Renly and his blood and Robar and Emin and, you know, men that he had killed in his own grief. And Jamie lies and says that he would have done the same. And then Laura seems grateful for the lie and leaves. So it was a little bit of kindness on Jamie's part. But man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's Jamie understanding, oh, for Loris to admit that it might not have been Brienne, then that means that he slew these other guys, you know, unfairly. Oh, my gosh. Probably his buddies. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jamie thinks about how unlike Loris, um, he he um, how unlike Loris, who you know is feeling such grief, he he feels none for Joffrey. So we're back there again, yeah. and uh, he says, "What am I if I do not?" Um... Oh my God, my writing! <laughs> Isn't it avenge my my own blood or something like that? Yeah, it's something about his blood and seed. <laughs> He ought to kill Sir Boris Blunt and just be rid of him. But he feels nothing like he's whatever. But again, look what we've read in this chapter. I mean, like he knows that Joffrey was having members of the Kingsguard beat Sansa. And like oh. he's sitting here. He thinks that Sansa might even have been the one who kills Joffrey. And he's still like, no, we're not going to do that. That's not cool. You know, I mean, like he knows Joffrey was a little steaming pile of shit. And so it's mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to mourn him any any more than Tyrion does. They know he was an absolute bastard. I mean, it's like remember when Jamie in the last chapter was riding through King's Landing and he's like, "Wow, no one is mourning for Joffrey." That's because the whole <laughs> fucking kingdom knew that Joffrey was an asshole. Huh. Hmm. So the chapter ends with Jamie thinking that he needs to do something about his stump, a golden hand maybe to stroke Cersei's golden hair and hold her heart against me. And um, he uh, also says this line about, you know, there were a lot of other debts to be paid. 
Yeah. So this is this is the thing kind of on the meta level, this chapter and um, a little bit of the last chapter and the next chapter. Jamie has already decided that he's going to have to rescue Tyrion. There was a little throwaway line in this chapter where he talks about the fact that he's been sitting in at, at Tyrion's trial and um, he knows it's not going to go mm-hmm. well. Unlike show Jamie, Jamie in the books is smart enough to know okay, I'm not going to go see Tyrion. I'm not going to let on that I'm even that interested in what's going on so that when I do eventually free him, um, no one's going to try to blame me, which no one really does in Feast. Um, you know, nobody's like, oh, this was clearly Jamie because Jamie's smart enough to play it just right. Distance himself. Yeah. Distance himself. But what he's doing is he is basically, you know, he's aware that this is a risky thing that he's going to pull. And he he's trying to, kind of wrap up his life. So he wants to have this whole, you know, thing of let's get the Kingsguard ironed out right now. Um, let's try to get Brienne cleared and he'll finish that in the next chapter. He's, he's just kind of trying to tie up the loose ends of his life because he really doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, when he, when he does eventually, you know, go to rescue Tyrion. Cause it's a risky thing. He's literally going to try to force Varys into it. And Varys yeah. is a very powerful person. It's a, it's a very risky, big move that, that he makes when he frees Tyrion. So um, you kind of have to look at this as just, okay, think about somebody who's <laughs> getting their affairs in order. And that's a lot of Jamie in the last two or three chapters of this book. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So that concludes this episode of Cribs, King's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, like, it's kind of easy to dismiss this chapter, but there was some really fun stuff in there, mostly just Jamie owning. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's do the mail. Okay. We have um, from Buck O'Hare. Since we don't get to see very much of Kingsguard, Jamie being Kingsguard, how much do you think his Riverlands journey changes his approach to the role? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know if it does too much. I kind of feel like this is just the Jamie that Jamie's wanted to be since the minute he got in the fucking Kingsguard. Probably since he had to sit outside that room and listen to what Eris was doing to Rayella, I think this is what he's thought the Kingsguard ought to be. Yeah, and he's finally in a position, you know, as Lord Commander to actually make some, you know, real changes. To make it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, To to make it happen. Yeah definitely fueled by action uh, action based making decisions um, yeah. you know I, I, he's not passive I think he's yeah more action oriented no yeah. time for foolery to get right to the <laughs> point might be a little bit of time in though like maybe he's you know because he is stepping into a commander position now yeah. he's never had yeah. to so I don't know and, and as as much as he's different from Tywin, he's you know they grew up in the same household. He would have known, you know, he knows the the deal. So yeah, he would have seen how his dad like yeah. handles people, and it seems yeah. to work. So I could see that shades of well, that. Well, I think up. that's that's an important thing to keep in mind with Jamie, especially as you get into feast with him. Is you know he was trained to be Tywin's heir. Yeah. So you yeah. you can bet that Tywin has trained him throughout his life how to handle different things. In fact, oh, yeah. he kind of alludes to that at different times, like, oh, my father did things this way. And it's clearly because Tywin was like, this is why I do this this way, you know. So he, he does know how to handle people. He it's We kind of talked, we talked about this a lot the first time that we reread these chapters of Jamie and Brienne's many years ago. But, um, you know, the, 
Jamie has a skill set as as far as you know um, dealing with being in a position of power that he can draw upon when he wants to, just like he has a political skill set that he can use when he wants to. It's just not something he enjoys, and so it's not something he wants to do. But he does have the ability when yes. he must. Yes. Okay. Um, we have a couple of. Um, they were pulled from the Jamie Brand subreddit um, comments from Shirley and sixty six about this chapter and. Um, the entries in the white book for Barristan, Salmi, and Jamie. Am I the only one amused that Barristan's page has a lot of tourney results? Like, okay, you won that tourney or this melee, <laughs> but if you cut all of that out, what do you have? I mean, a, a lot, of course, but he's 61 to 62 years old. It just seems like there's a lot of padding to this page. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> By the way, didn't Jamie fight in the Greyjoy Rebellion? She put parentheses, he may not have. Um, didn't he win? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't he win? Any uh, that was in the show, but it, uh, when they okay. first put that in the show, there was a lot of discussion okay. about whether that was ever, because it's not said, it's like, well, he would have been Kingsguard, but he might've been left behind in King's Landing when they all went and did the Greyjoy Rebellion, because he has no specific deeds from that. Oh, okay. Uh, did he win? Because she says, didn't he win any other tourneys at least? Like, we don't know. Like He says he did. Okay. Yes. And okay. I mean, like everybody says, how did he get this reputation is the best you yeah, know, swordsman okay. in the realm oh, if he didn't win some stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he yeah, must have. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, back to Barristan, I do have to say, uh, Barristan very famously rescued Eris Targaryen, who was being held, um, you know, as a hostage. The, the thing yeah. about Duskendale, yeah. I can't remember what it is. But but it was a very daring rescue that Barristan Selmy pulled off. I know there's a lot of hate for Barristan Selmy. I kind of have a, a soft spot for him. He's kind of the <laughs> highlight of some of Danny's chapters to me, quite frankly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like he he definitely was for real, Barristan Selmy. I mean, he he definitely was the real thing. <laughs> and she she was kind of like anyway i just find selmy's entry to be filled with fluff while jamie's is filled with well nothing much deliberately most likely since selmy had no respect for jamie after he killed eris um selmy obviously embraced the old adage history will be kind to me for what i for i intend to write it <laughs> oh. accurate <laughs> Speaking. Although I don't know, did he write in any tourney victories for himself? I don't think he did. I think it was all done before he became uh, Lord Commander. Like so the one oh, before him did his like entry. Somebody, yeah, oh, I think okay. I think Gerald went or okay. Hightower. I can't remember which Hightower. one is it. Hightower. So maybe the guy before him was like a sports statistics person or stats guy who was just like <laughs> like tourneys <laughs> were just his jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends slightly on uh, does your Lord Commander like you and yeah, is he yeah. somebody who wants to sit down and write stuff very often? Well, that's like, I mean, it just reminds me, like, my husband is in the Navy, like, to a certain extent, like, they make you, I thought it was so strange, because, and I don't know how this, I'm trying to think of other careers where this work, but they they make you write up your own, like, um, what do they call it, like, your reviews? Or your own, like, your you, people over the like the higher up officers and stuff can write ones for you but a lot of times they make you write your own and then they approve like an evaluation yeah yeah but i always thought that was kind of strange but yeah but it all depended and if you got one from them was a little unusual but always was who liked you know what i mean it was a lot of butt kissing and politics yeah yeah that kind of thing yeah (laughs) Yeah, i could see that Uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) you know say there's like a military type thing so yeah 
Um, and she says, speaking of the Kettle Blacks, who are they really? Osmond was pretty determined to squirm out of answering Jamie's questions. Just a peasant who became a knight and a member of the King's Guard and fucks the Queen on occasion? Where did they come from? <laughs> Why are they unknown to almost everyone at Westeros who should have heard of them? I know they're little fingers, but questions remain. <laughs> they just seem so smarmy. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well... I think their dad works for Littlefinger. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think they were probably just Littlefingers first. But as far as yeah. where they came from, I mean, I think when they when what's his face says that they were sellswords, that's probably just true. Yeah, and I think I guess that's kind of the point. Like, it's like Jamie's like, what the fuck? They just randomly, like, literally, like, just pluck these people out of nowhere for what the fuck reason? Like, what? Well, and again, here's more, you know, genius decision making by Cersei. Cersei. Sorry to keep pointing it out, but. <laughs> oh gosh yeah because wait we don't they weren't in the show at all right like no unfortunately just, i kind of was hoping oh, to see them because they're so smart yeah. just cersei of... fucking kettle blacks and lancel gosh. all over the place i can oh. sort of picture like <laughs> actors in my head that would have done it. i can't think of their names now but that would have been funny oh my gosh <laughs> oh yeah Another opportunity lost. missed <laughs> Um, we got uh, no Mr. Bondi wrote. I have noticed that on the day after your podcast, this is kind of funny, is released. The price of a Storm of Swords in the Kindle Store UK goes up by fifteen percent. It will go down what? again sometime in the next day or two. It goes down again. Coincidence or are you ladies driving up the sales? I'm keeping uh, it's an probably eye. Probably just Amazon. Probably just Amazon tracking your internet history. It's probably yeah, like yeah. Because Big I will... Brother is watching. No, Mr. Bondi. They got a pixel on you. I'm keeping an eye because I would need to buy it in the next week or so, and I'm hoping for a one-pound deal. <laughs> That's funny. It's really funny. Uh, we would be so flattered, but no, it's not us. <laughs> Definitely not us. Gosh. That's funny. That is really hilarious. <laughs> Um, and then this one, it can be so kind of, kind of hilarious. Um, okay, Anonymous. Do you think rotting stump is like manure or gasoline and actually smells kind of good? And I think that's subjective, like, <laughs> yeah. to whether you think these. Because I was no, thinking, I don't think gasoline smells good. kind of good. But, like, I will admit that, like, when I used to do horseback riding lessons, you associate, not that you think it smells good, but it's like a nostalgia. And manure doesn't smell like other animals but like i don't know it's just different uh, so yeah i'd rather smell gasoline over manure. <laughs> i think it was like horses i spent I mean. my formative years on a farm so i can kind of ignore manure but uh, i love the smell of gasoline oh, really? I've i hate it. Oh, God, it but like is... no rotting flesh i can't imagine that that smells good in any circumstance <laughs> yeah i think there's gotta I... be like a, a nature like that repels you know like duh i don't know you think so but man the human brain is fucking weird like i know i i had people that i worked with that like the smell of skunk Ooh. what Ooh. yes they yeah, actually like me. the smell of skunk oh, weird. oh my god weird. which i think like the compound of whatever it is the chemical it's actually it's supposed to replicate rotting flesh so oh gosh <laughs> wow now now you know the people that could be like if you were on the plane what is that plane that crashed and they could eat other people the one in the mountains with the sun yeah yeah alive it's cannibals that's a cannibal test do you like the smell of skunk ask people 
And then there's those guys that are mostly guys, actually, I think, that have those foot fetishes that love really stink feet. Oh, like, oh. Yeah. What is wrong with human brains? <laughs> like, there's this... <laughs> But then you think about it, too. A lot of animals eat, like, rotting other animals that are rotting, so it must not get to them. I don't know. Hmm. Oh, yeah, no, animals love that junk. Dogs do, anyway. They love to go (laughs) roll in the smell of something rotting. (laughs) What's the weirdest thing that you guys like the smell of? (laughs) Um, I would have said gasoline, but God, I don't know. Now. That's pretty tame. (laughs) Yeah, I can't I'm really think. That, like, I'm so sensitive to like, like I don't know, things make me cough and make me. Eh. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Me either. I used to think like it's horrible because I hate it now, but I used to think like maybe it was just the menthol, like like when I spelled certain menthol. But I hate cigarettes. Like, ugh. but yeah. Oh, that's probably mine. I do not smoke, but I actually am so nostalgic for the smell of cigarette smoke. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with yeah. me. Oh, I know what I like. The smell of my grandma's basement. <laughs> okay, there we go. We've got a winner. <laughs> it's just kind of musty and moldy yeah. smelling. I don't know. I like it. I can see a nostalgia in that, too. Not with, like, flesh. <laughs> That's definitely a nostalgia. Now I'm curious, like, seriously, like, next time I want to know what, like, Kama and Eon and, like, Devin, I want to know other people's. And then yeah. you're owning on. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, how about the rest of you? <laughs> that's our and that's how we end it. That's our last uh, <laughs> on a high note. It's perfect. <laughs> Something had to jazz up this episode. <laughs> All right. So thank you for sending in mail, everybody. Uh, please send us more at close the door and at gmail.com. You can also reach us at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Uh, we have a subreddit, uh, Jamie and Brianne. Um, make sure you go get head over there because there's lots of fun conversations always happening. Um, please like, subscribe, and review us wherever you may listen and consider supporting this podcast on patreon um thank you both (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna close the door get out